What happened to your glasses? My dad. For bringing me the sandwich. I know. My father was a hard man as well. I really hate it here. If I let you out, will you take me with you? To your people? Yes, Ben, I will. That's why I'm here. is over but we have to go back down the hatch it's the lost rewatch podcast here on post show recaps talking season five episode 10 he's our you i'm josh wiggler he's mike bloom josh let me come in uh, other number one really fun fact about this episode you know initially it was pitched to be a celebration of benjamin linus they're actually putting together a big uh, brouhaha for his bar mitzvah. It was originally titled "He's Our Jew." Oh come on, <laughs> Dad, Dad! Oh my God! Listen, the best dad in this episode—an episode full of terrible dads. Oh my God! Um, I would have loved to have gone to Ben Linus's bar mitzvah. Could you imagine, like, lighting the candles? Uh, you told me you'd be a hostile. I have to wait some more. Come on, Richard Alpert, light candle number four. Yeah, the only things that they light, they, they light candles for, 8, 15, 16, 23, and 42. <laughs> uh, Why are there 42 candles on this cake? You're just, uh, just, uh, just, there just is, okay? There just is. Don't ask. Uh, Saul? Yeah, I'm, in, I'm at the bar mitzvah. What's the big deal? Yeah, I get invited and put a dharma. I, I, lit, Do you think- I lit candle 16. Yeah. Do you think instead of a cake, though, it's just a giant chicken salad sandwich? Um, yeah. Oh, my God. So many sandwiches in this episode. <laughs> Too many sandwiches. Uh, like, Saeed eventually turns away the sandwiches. And I know I think it's less so that he's trying to be a belligerent prisoner and more because, like, he's just tired of sandwiches. He's like, Ben, it's too much. It's just too much. It's, At least Juliet made fruit salad. Yeah, he's like, you don't like it? He's like, no, they're delicious. You just gave me another sandwich, like, an hour ago. I yeah, just- it's interesting because the, the episode ends. <laughs> ends with Saeed obviously contemplating the horrible thing he's done, hobbling off and then slowly breaking into a run. The reason why it takes him a little while is because he's so full of sandwiches. Like, he's just very heavy carting around everything in oh that stomach. Oh my god. Um, he's our you. Uh, the 10th episode of Lost Season 5. The second episode of Down the Hatch that Mike and I are recording in two days. Uh, as we mentioned last week, we are doing this consecutive days back to back. Uh, as you're hearing these words, I'm currently vacationing in the woods of Maine uh, for the first time this summer. I'll be back up there later in the summer, and we'll take care of that then. It's not an imminent issue. <laughs> um, but I wonder, Mike, uh, I, I, how how heavily have I been dragged for not knowing what curling is? Is uh... Yeah, dra- dragged and drugged mm-hmm. as well. People might suspect that, like, you got a dose of the truth serum when you admitted that you really had no idea what you were referring to. I have no idea what curling is. Yeah, oh my god. He these are you, uh, Mike. I 
I love this episode. I really love this episode. It is just such a tour de force performance from Navy and Andrews. Um, I and like in like kind of like uh, assessing this episode and next week's episode because next week's episode especially may be like. There's like a there's some problematic stuff with like uh like I think like the depiction of like Kate's motivations I really don't love but these two motivations epi- please the, the motivations uh, these these two episodes both though feature such stunning work from the central character um that it is it is really really hard for me to look at it as anything other than like an exceptional um slice of lost uh what we get from Saeed here sort of like it's not the last word on Saeed, but it's a really important one, and it's a really sad one. Like, this reflection yes. in the mirror for Saeed of, I'm a bad man, and so, as a bad man, I have it within me to take on the bad thing. The bad thing that's, like, the right thing to do to spare so many other people misery, I will absorb that misery and do the miserable thing. And it's so sad. It's so upsetting. He plays it so heartbreakingly well. Um, I'm just, like, I'm obsessed obsessed with the way that Navy and Andrews plays Saeed in this episode, and I have been for, for years now. I'm really excited to be here in the podcast. Yeah, this episode completely took me by surprise. I spoke about this at the end of last week's podcast, right? That I think, in my memory, I sort of regard this section of the season up until the variable as like, all right, we're just going to hang out in Dormaville for a few episodes and focus on more character-centric episodes. I spoke about how the decision to go back to the flashback structure is something that I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of because we really did reinvent the wheel in so many ways with Season 5. I think I can take exception to this because, to your point, Josh, this episode played so much better for me as like an encore for Saeed Jarrah. I mean, like you said... It's not the last we're going to see of him, but it kind of is. Because, again, I still sort of say that the Saeed we see in Season 6 isn't necessarily the the Saeed that we're necessarily familiar with. And then you have everything with the Flash sideways. Uh, and, you know, he's going to now disappear for, what, like a few episodes until we get to follow the leader. And then he's going to get shot. So, really, this is the last truly centric stuff on Saeed we're going to get for quite some time. And to your point, like, it is incredibly sad how this character's trajectory ends. And it's not sad in, like, a John Locke making me uncomfortable way, but, I mean, there's such an interesting mirror between this and, like, Solitary slash Confidence Man. It really is sort of like the the test two baby of both of those episodes here, in that Saeed starts the the series in kind of this position of, like, yes, I'm a torturer, yes, I'm capable of doing these things, but, like, I have a heart... I'll do anything to get what I want, but I still am someone who has like an emotional and romantic rudder that I use to guide me, as opposed to Sawyer, who's saying, torture me, I don't have any inhalers, but I'm a bad man who deserves punishment for everything that I've done. Let's swap things over to season five now, right? Where Sawyer's like, I did bad things in the past, but I have an emotional and romantic rudder that guides me through things. And now Saeed is saying, I'm a bad man who deserves everything that I get. And while we talked about how great it is to see that Sawyer arc and see him build into this quote-unquote hero, it is simultaneously tragic to see Saeed, who is far and away, we talked about this from the beginning, like one of the most competent and like bleeding heart of the show characters to essentially watch him break bad to watch him break down feel like he is like 
his purpose is no longer fulfilled in life or that he feels like his purpose is to do bad things because he is a killer no matter how much he tries to dissuade himself from it. And then the way that character ends, even if it's with a noble effort, it's just incredibly sad. It's incredibly like self-deprecating on Saeed's part. And looking at it through the that lens, knowing that this is going to be sort of like the final statement of how Saeed views himself, it is so impactful in that way yeah i think it's 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 like this is the story of the man who has been uh who has like done hellish things uh because hellish circumstances have put him in that place um and he has he has been in that place for so long that he has come to believe that he must do hellish things he deserves to do hellish things he needs to do hellish things he belongs in hell. It's a very, very, very sad story. Uh, yeah, especially in a show where, like, the final message and a lot of these final redemptive character arcs, right, is like, you're not a bad person. You've become a better person because of your time on the island. Now, Saeed is still in the church, but he's not exactly leaving his time in the main timeline proper thinking he's the best guy. Well, we get, we're going to get a chance to, like, really assess that as we, as we go. Like, I think that that's going to be something that's exciting to chart and talk through during the final season of the show. Because Saeed's final story, I think, is, uh, is you know, it's, it's viewed as, like, uh, a misfire. Uh, I think it, by a lot of people. I think a lot of people, when you think about, like, um, grade the way they landed the main characters. I think Saeed's name often comes up as like they really bungled that. Did they? We'll find out. I think it's. <laughs> I, I think it'll be a compelling conversation. They probably did to some degree, but like, are there ways in which that we can interpret Saeed's story as, if not a happy ending, at least one that is like consistent with Saeed Jarrah's journey, one that is fair to him as a character? Because I think that the way that he views himself in this episode. It's really sad. It's so unfair, but life isn't fair. The John look no further than the John Locke story, right? So like I think yeah. like to have this idea of like you can drag yourself to hell because you feel you belong there is like unfortunately like very realistic and and incredibly even the, relatable. Even if the time travel component maybe a little less so. Um so I I think and it's obviously also like this episode is kind of like really playing with one of like those great time travel tropes of like if you could go back in time and kill baby Hitler would you do it if you can go back in time and kill <laughs> even if Hitler brought you sandwiches yeah if you could go back in time and kill baby Ben Linus would you do it and for like Saeed the answer ends up being yes uh, and I think that it's like a decision that he arrives at not just like from like this pragmatic point of view of like if I kill Ben then none of the misery happens but there also then becomes like almost like this like reflection in the way that Ben's childhood is received by Saeed his like his days as a as a boy before all of the pain and all of the torture of like you could see it on Saeed of like this poor kid let me put him out of his misery as well um it's really i i think it's it's a really dark episode of the show but i think that it is it is it is like a very human episode of the show as well yes um, i um i agree and i think it's it's actually you know there's going to be so many callbacks to previous arcs i even talked about it before with like the confidence man reversal here that we're going to get with Said and Sawyer but man i got so many shades of mr echo through this episode josh so many echoes of Echo from the very first scene, which we'll get into, to that final scene where Saeed kind of does the like, 
listen, I was given my role and I did it to the best of my ability. You know, my role is I'm a killer. I guess I have to do that. There's this sort of like matter of factness about your fate that Saeed has in the end of that moment that is just so like such a punctuation point on a character that has been through so much that thought when he left the island that he could get away from that only for that to come crawling back through Ben Linus, who's able to like unintentionally, I think, convince Saeed that he is indeed that person that he wants him to be. And it makes sense then again, why much like Echo, this sort of ends up being the tail end of Saeed's journey is or in a manner of speaking it's that this idea of like once you finally realize who you are, there's not much really else you can go with your character, so it makes sense that that's your end. But it's also a continuation of this idea and this conversation we had last time about like um, leadership as lensed through Lost, and like we've talked for like we we used to talk all the time in season one about how Saeed's the leader of the group. He's the right, right. person to be leading the group. He's making the smartest decisions. He's making the best calls for everybody involved. He was our season one MVP leader for a reason. I believe he still remains our uh, overall MVP leader um, at this moment, at least. I think uh, given what's to come um, in future episodes, this is where we start to get a little hairy for Saeed in terms of his his placement in the in the final um, MVP uh, saga here on Down the Hatch. Um, but I think that like one of the ways in which um, Saeed is a very compelling leader is the ways in which he's like, I can handle this. This is not something I will put on anybody else. I can do this. This terrible, dubious, morally dubious, uh, morally gray thing. Um, this very, very hard choice. This terrible thing. I can do it because I believe it will save us. So I will be the one to do it. Um, and that follows him all the way through to his final moments on the island. Uh, right. I'll, I'll take that bomb and run it to the front like, of the sub. I, I'll do it because I can handle it. And also at that moment, and I think like that is the part where like we can we can sort of litigate whether or not it lands. There is the follow through on that is he believes in Jack's ability to carry the ball past uh, to the finish line at that right. point. So it's like a combination of not just like um, I can handle it, I deserve it, maybe, um, but there's this other piece of it that comes at that point where it's like I can handle it. And you can handle what comes next. It's like the belief in others that I think uh, that that it makes Saeed such a strong character that I think is at a pretty low point in this moment in time. So already, I mean, we haven't even started talking about the episode. It's a very, very rich episode. I'm really excited to dig into it before we do. Mike, let's take a quick second to thank our sponsors for this episode of Post Show Recaps. Those are our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. With all that said, Mike Bloom, let's go forth into the jungle. Let's talk about He's Are You. Yes, so this is... Speaking about classic callbacks here, we've got the prodigal son returning, Greg Yatanis, I believe is how you pronounce his name. He is not a stranger to Lost, though it's been a while since we've heard his name. The last episode he directed was special in season one. It's been a minute. So, what? It's been a minute. Oh, been a minute. I think yeah. said, wait a minute. No. First, like, I was like, oh, no. I'm, listen, you're you're the wand. I'm going to stop right there if you need to. No, yeah. no, no. It's uh, been he's, a, he's it's gone been from, a bit. Yeah. Gone from the days of CGI polar bears 
to uh, torturing in the jungle. Yeah, welcome back, Greg. Of course, familiar writers. Of course, this is a Kitsis and Horowitz deal. Is this is this the first Kitsis and Horowitz episode of season of season five? Hmm, I don't know. Uh, Lost season five. I don't think so. Did they write the lie? It's like a, I'm I'm like yes, they did. They did write the lie. Yeah. Of course, it's a Hurley. No, actually, this is their third because they also did this place is death. Yeah. So they're. And they're they're also going to write the variable too. So like their fingerprints all, are all over this season. Uh, air date many weeks after Josh's birthday, March twenty fifth, two thousand nine. And of course, Saeed Jarrah. Correct me if I'm wrong here. The last Saeed centric episode, right? Does he have any in season? He six? does. Uh, sundown in season six. I, it's a uh, controversial episode, but I kind of love it. Right. Well, it's it's awkward because I think with the title, you assume it is a sun episode, yes. but it is not. Yes, correct. Uh, so it's our last Saeed flashback because we're going to get into sideways stuff uh, after this one. Um, and we begin very early in Saeed's life where we see Saeed and his brother, who we will see again in the flash sideways, mm-hmm. uh, who has been given uh, a chicken to kill by his father, Dam. Um, and he is, uh, he's unable to do it, but Saeed comes along, kills the chicken, um, and at first, Saeed's father, like, uh, is, like, uh, very happy that his brother has done this, but he says, it wasn't me, and then Saeed's father says to Saeed, at least one of you will be a man. Um, this is, uh, extreme echoes of Mr. Echo, as, as you are saying, this is very reminiscent of, uh, Mr. Echo as a child, um, killing the man instead of Yemi, uh, so that he can like I can handle this. I can take this on. I will protect Yemi. Uh, this is a very similar vibe for Saeed, and I think like beginning that story of like Saeed feeling like I'm the person who can who can do these things. I would not ask anyone to do any of this horrible stuff. I can take it on. Yeah, it's this weird idea, right? Where they're going to talk about this entire episode how he is talented he has a very particular set of skills i suppose and it's, it's weird to think about that from a very violent perspective because essentially the thing he's talented at is taking the lives of others and other animals but it really does speak to this idea of like saeed can do what others cannot in a certain perspective and he's almost like super heroic in that perspective i think we did miss out on a possibility though here josh you know we get the reveal of like your name is saeed but they could have done it earlier by having young saeed break the chicken's neck with his legs then we would know that it was young saeed that he was fostering that Mm. behavior from a young age yeah uh if only that had made the cut um so yeah we start we start here i think like uh it's it's a valuable place to to begin this story i think mike considering this is going to be you know like this this stems so far back in Saeed's life from the time that he was a kid, and this episode is going to end with him committing an atrocity against a child. And I think there's so many valuable ways to see this as well. This is obviously the earliest Saeed flashback. And let's remember, in Solitary, again, I think we were sort of led to believe that for Saeed, this is just like something he was forced to do not something, you know, we even experienced that a bit in one of them of like, okay, he was forced to torture and then it turns out that he's actually pretty good at it, uh, but he was sort of like coerced into doing this. I think what this first scene is leading us to believe, though, is that he had this capacity from the beginning. You know, he's maybe he's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Mm -hmm. It's definitely Saeed either way. And I think it's a different take on the character, I certainly remember at the time being like, why are we seeing this piece of his childhood? But I do think seeing such an early moment from Saeed is a good indicator that, like, whether it's nature or nurture, this capacity is in his blood. And like you said, it links up so well 
with the final scene of what Saeed ends up doing. And I will say also, if you're a, a fan of the musical Stings, you're going to be hearing those four notes of Saeed, the bum, 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 over and over and over again this episode. And it pops up here in the very first scene as soon as Saeed's name is invoked. I totally thought you were talking about a musical called Stings. And I was like, I don't, I've never well, no, heard of that well, there one. Was the, the, there was the last ship, which Sting did write, but unfortunately he did not uh, make, make it his namesake as well. Yeah, I I hope that before this uh, this journey we call life is over, that Sting writes a musical called Stings, and it's about multiple stings. There's Ooh, more than one sting. It could be the name of the Ant-Man and the Wasp musical starring Evangeline Lilly. Mm, that's also pretty good. Uh, I would like that. Yeah, I think we're getting this story of, like, is Saeed a born killer, or is he somebody who has just, like, stepped into... Is he just somebody who has, like, stepped up in these circumstances and these circumstances have cropped up all around him his entire life because he's lived a very hard life? Uh, I think, like, that is the question. I tend to believe that, like, this poor this poor baby has had a very hard life. Uh, yeah. Saeed's life has been really, really difficult, and he's never had a chance to rest, it feels like. He's never had a chance to just, like, feel love and be loved without there being some measure of pain and blood involved as well. It's just a brutal existence. And I think this episode does such a great job. And this first scene really sets up um, that struggle that he's uh, been through. And in many ways, there's a bit of a kindred spirit, whether he would like to admit it or not, in Benjamin Linus. And in 1977, back on the island, while Saeed is in prison, um, Ben is going to show up and he's got a chicken salad sandwich with Saeed's name all over it. Let's listen in sound number one. Hey, Phil. Hey. I brought another sandwich for him. Chicken salad this time. Yeah, I don't think it's the menu. He's not eating. Save yourself the trouble, kid. But Horse told me to. Why does he care so much? The guy's a hostile. That doesn't mean he's not hungry. Whatever. Brought you a sandwich. And a book. I read it twice. It's good. Thank you. Did Richard send you? Richard. He's your leader, right? It's just a camera. They can see, but they can't hear. Four years ago, I ran away into the jungle and Richard found me. I said I wanted to leave, that I wanted to join you. So I've been patient. And if you're patient too, I think I can help you. Baby Ben Linus is such a dweeb. I, I love it. I love him so much. I love Baby Ben because he's like, that is like, this is like, he, he is so Benjamin Linus. He's Benjamin yep. Linus before Ben has like fully broken bad. But like the misery that's at the heart of Ben Linus as well is so alive here. Um, and like the ability to like, uh, like uh, if not always hyper patiently, which is actually you know a trait of the adult Benjamin Linus as well, <laughs> as it turns out. Um, he's like he can like kind of like 
like not i mean there's there's some ruthlessness to him like what happens with like the dharma man is, is a really crazy thing uh, yeah. that ben engineers in this episode but like there is like uh there's like this dogged quality about him like i'm not going to let go of the thing like this sort of like myopic um uh you know vision of what his life will be like uh if he can just get to the others take me to your leader and all yeah, of he, that he, he's idealistic is i think what it is is that he's going to vocalize this in the very clip that you mentioned like he is feeling incredibly miserable at this point we're gonna get a nice uh, glimpse into the life with roger linus that he is sort of holding on to this brass ring right of joining the others so that when he someone does walk into his life who apparently is someone that represents that he is going to go over hill and dale to essentially help this guy out and i think to your point it shows how desperate Ben is, but it's almost like a quiet desperation of he's not exactly flailing his arms, screaming wildly to get what he wants. <laughs> Are you describing he's, Benjamin Linus as Kermit the Frog? Yeah! <laughs> uh, no, it's it's more so about, you know, being able to make these plans even at an early age as to how you can use the intel that you have to, you know, make subtle gestures. And that's another thing as well as I think also due to his upbringing, Ben is someone who has had to operate in the shadows because we're going, we see that like he has had to live a life where he's had to be incredibly secretive about everything lest he get caught by his abusive father. And so I think, you know, you begin to see why Ben practices those behaviors because he basically had no other choice at that time in his life. Yeah. Uh, it's very, it's very upsetting. This poor kid, uh, you know, he's, he's had it really, really, really rough. It's hard to blame him for wanting to get the hell out of here. Um, it is easier to blame him for genocide, but at this moment in time, uh, I think it is, it is hard to blame him for like being deeply unhappy and wanting to run away from home. Let's also remember this is before he gets corrupted and possibly thinks about the idea of genocide, right? Right now, he's still that kid that wants to wish to get out of town, not wish to get out of town and burn down the town behind me. Uh, Let's also make a mention of the book here, as Ben so proudly flaunts to Saeed, A Separate Reality by Carlos Castaneda. Uh, Obviously, the title might be referring to what season six is, but basically, I think some of the main connectors are that part of the story is basically about uh, the main character eats a lot of these plants that undergo um, mind alterations, basically, which obviously Saeed is going to get drugged later on. And there is also sort of like uh, some allies that I guess this character takes on in a more metaphysical variety. And one is a character that can appear in any form mm. uh, and essentially take anything on. And there's also one that can call that he calls a little smoke as well. Well, how about that? Sawyer's my name too. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, very, very good. Love that. Yeah, definitely nodding towards uh, in like sort of like the same way that like uh, there were like hints of time travel earlier in the series. It's like, yeah, well, maybe there's going to be an alternate reality. Maybe they are yeah. going to like split off into this other world. It's like it's not quite that, but I guess it is technically another reality. It's another place. It's a separate it's reality. It's just more so, less so about a nexus point, and more so like this came after, you know, yeah. after the after. Um, okay, so we go to our first flashback of the episode, or our second, rather. I'm sorry, and um, 
we we talked about this before and like when we were having a conversation earlier in the season about like the use of flashbacks in season five at this point like aren't, haven't we been there done that and i've i was really in favor of it um because i really love this idea of like we're now circling the drain. We're like really, we're really on the point. Um, this is so close to where Saeed is right now that it's like worth checking in. It's worth reinforcing where he's at, why he's at the low that he's at right now. We get to see a little bit more of that like season four economist era Saeed, um, presumably taking place after the economist, in fact, uh, as he is, uh, there in, I believe they're in, uh, in Moscow. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're in the, Russia. Yeah, you see everything in the background. He's he's gonna chase this dude down. This guy's like trying to get cash from his locked box, and Saeed just kills the guy anyway. Um, yeah, despite the fact that the guy offers Saeed money, like it's very clear at this point he's foolish. We your know money's that Saeed no isn't good doing here. It. You know, yeah, he's not doing it for money. He's doing it to help Ben. Ben has a list, and he's checking it twice. And Saeed is still at this point. He's still in the straight hair era, right? He's still moving along with with sort of being Ben's lapdog to the point where he's getting treated at a vet clinic, uh, and he's gonna have a meet up here too. It's also been noted. Apparently, if you translate uh, some of the Russian text in the background, I think there's an uh, there's a sign reading thirty two Oldham Pharmaceuticals, <laughs> which is really interesting that given interesting. you know how much a guy named Oldham's going to have a big impact on Saeed in this episode. I wonder, Mike, because like Oldham's like you're going to tell me the truth, and in like the truth telling, Saeed's going to say you're all going to die. I'm from the future. Uh, we never see Oldham again. It's just this episode. Is he like, my stuff works. That dude's from the future. I'm getting off the island. And so Oldham leaves and is not part of the Dharma Initiative genocide and is able to just like have like a very uh, solid pharmaceutical company. I do love that, but I also fear the pharmaceuticals that he might be producing. I do believe oh, it's also... it's not a happy story. <laughs> I, I want to... Well, I mean, yeah, there's a reason why he's staked out in Russia. Yeah. I want to say that... Maybe Charlie says, like, Oldham Road as well. So maybe this is like a Frank Lapidus type of, oh, we love... This is a Kitsis and Horowitz thing, right? Like, oh, we love this name. Yeah. Let's use this name as much as possible. I think that's possible. Um, Said kills this guy. Your money's no good here. The, th- the thing is with Said is, like, uh, you know, the question of, like, you're, you're a born killer, Said. You love to kill. You were built for this. It's like... Is that it, or is this guy so angry? And is he just resorting to things he knows? Is he falling back? Is he backsliding? Um, that is something that happens here. But he's going to come to Ben um, like a like a like a kid proudly going back to Daddy. Look what I did! Um, and, <gasps> oh, great job, Said. I'll put this up on the fridge. You know, and like maybe not quite getting like the 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 response that he's looking for. Let's listen into this conversation with Said, and but lots of Said and Ben conversations this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's listen in sound number two. How'd it go? You tried to bribe me. It didn't work. Of course it didn't. Where to now? Nowhere. You're done. What do you mean I'm done? We're done. Andropov was the last one. You've taken care of everyone who posed a threat to your friends. It's been a pleasure working with you, Saeed. So that's it? I killed all those people for you. And now you're just walking away? You didn't kill them for me, Saeed. You're the one that asked for their names. There's no one else in Widmore's organization that we need to go after. 
Congratulations. Mission accomplished. What do I do now? I suppose you should go live your life. You're free, Saeed. It's interesting. Saeed kills a man named on drop-off, and you could argue in shooting Ben, his morality takes a drop-off as well. That is very interesting. I think that that's deliberate. <laughs> is that better or worse than he's our Jew? <laughs> it's a little bit better, but like not by a ton. better than he's our Jew. <laughs> oh, no. Um... <laughs> Yeah, and so how much of this is like Ben is such a jerk, but like he he has like uh, he is in this place too where he is. These are both people who are like operating from like uh, like rage born from grief, uh, yeah. and so like it is it is it is almost like I do not care at all who I hurt as long as it stops the pain. And so it, the pain hasn't stopped for Saeed. For Ben, the mission continues. He doesn't need Saeed for it. But for Ben, the journey goes on. And because of that, he just doesn't need Saeed. And I think like there's the argument, and we've talked about this a little bit before, does Ben what does Ben remember of Saeed? Does he know anything about Saeed? Like this episode does like leave you to like uh to like ask this this question they they ask it even uh like i think literally in whatever happened happened where hurley like uh is having that conversation with miles and uh hurley like kind of like uh stumps miles by being like well uh why doesn't ben remember being shot by saeed and miles like huh interesting and i think like the show's explanation is like He'll never be the same. He got hit by the monster. He doesn't remember yeah, stuff. The, the, they explain it away by being like, he's going to lose some previous memories. And I think that sort of is explained of, oh, yeah, all the immediate vicinity before he got placed in the pool, uh, you know, is going to be completely obscure. Yeah, it's going to be like filled with something else. And like, we can we can talk through like whether or not that's like a good choice or a bad choice. Um, but I think like sometimes even when you don't remember the details of the source of your trauma. Like you're still aware of it. You know what I mean? Like you can like, yeah. you can smell it. Um, and I, and I wonder to some extent, how much does Ben love like pulling the wings off of Saeed? And even if it has nothing to do with him shooting him as a kid, um, at the very least, uh, Saeed was uh, ruthless to Ben back in the, in the swan hatch yep. days. Um, so there, I think is some measure of like, gleeful turnabout is fair play when it comes to ben's relationship with with saeed um yeah it's all uh, very brutal though i mean i love this episode though because i think it really does explore that dynamic which started in one of them let's remember that despite all the henry gale stuff saeed was the one that always saw through it right he was the one that was torturing ben he's the one who leads the exodus to the balloon he's the one who makes the decision to dig up the body he's the one who comes back and throws it in his face that he's not henry gale like saeed has always had ben's number which is why it makes it so like disgustingly delicious that ben has saeed's number here or at least has the ability to i think get in his head i do think from that read, partially it's that. It also might just partially be the fact that, like, this is Ben seeing Saeed the way Ben sees the world, which is very clinical, that everyone is a piece on a board of a game that he's playing overall. And so he sort of, I think, removes that emotionality from Saeed and just regards him as a killer. You could say there's certainly a read of, okay, this is Ben trying to, like, really get in Saeed's head and turn him into this hired gun, this, like, remorseless killing machine. 
But I think there's also a read of, yeah, Ben just thinks this is the case because, like, Ben thinks this is the way the world works. Yeah, right. Totally. That, that Saeed is someone who sees the same way as him, can kill people without any sort of regard for who they are as people. Ben understands that, maybe for uh, deja vu reasons, maybe not. And so he's just calling it the way he sees it. I think that's a really good read. I think, um, I think like, Ben being this horribly broken person who has committed, uh, atro- like, atrocity upon atrocity... You know, Said has his share of carnage under his, uh, you know, in his backlog as well, read in his ledger, as it were. Um, but my God, the things that Benjamin Linus has done will continue to do, frankly. Um, and I think, like, Ben feeling like with Said, like, we've connected on this level. What do you mean you don't want to help me, like, kill the people who killed John Locke? You know, like, that kind of stuff. Um, like, I can buy that as, as sincere. Uh, I think that that... It definitely hits. But the the whole, like, congratulations, mission accomplished, go live your life, you're free, Saeed. Uh, the first of two times Benjamin Linus shall free Saeed in this episode yeah. and it's come also, to regret it. in retrospect, uh, very awkward to tell a citizen of Iraq mission accomplished, right? Again, maybe this is something I realized watching this episode as well, and maybe this is me, like, watching it through a 2021 lens, but there's a lot of for lack of a better term, otherism that is, you know, pointed towards Saeed in this episode because yeah. of the way he's perceived at Dharmaville that I think really screams back to me the very beginning of the series and why Saeed was celebrated as such an important character back in the day of as we were embroiled in Iraq, uh, you know, in the middle of this war, here is this character from the Middle East who people initially regard as a terrorist and do not trust, but turns out to have like one of the most sensitive souls out of everyone in the t- the entire cast it's a really unfortunate glaring look at you know how much that otherism and tokenism can come up when you're in an entirely new setting uh also fascinating that um uh mission accomplished being uh famously uh <laughs> early to say the least that phrase being uttered in real life uh, and here, yeah, the war is far from finished. On, exactly, on so it's all both, both premature utterings. Yeah. Ben's just one battle cruiser yeah. away. Yeah, George W. Linus. Um, all well, right. Could you imagine, like, the Kahana has, like, a giant banner that says oh Mission Accomplished? Oh my god, that's brutal. That's terrible. Okay, Brzezinski and Horace are going to come to Saeed in the 70s. They've got bolt cutters. and Yes, uh, he's, he's fetched the bolt cutters. Yeah, Horace asks Saeed to put out his hands. And Saeed's like, I know what I would be doing with those, so I would really <laughs> rather not. Um, <laughs> but he's just uncuffing him. Um, and uh, Saeed thanks Horace. And they have a bit of a conversation. Uh, Horace wants to know what Saeed was doing out in the jungle. Uh, what's up with the handcuffs? Are you having trouble with your people? Uh, clearly you're in the disagreement. I want to help. Yeah, it's interesting you call it a conversation because it's more like an unanswered monologue, I would say. Saeed is really... And this is going to start like... I think what I initially saw as being frustrated with what Saeed was doing, Sawyer's going to vocalize this later, right? Of like, I am giving you so many uh, exit ramps, but you refuse to go off this highway, even though the highway ends, you know, in the middle of a bridge, right? You're going to come careening off the cliff if you don't exit the highway. But I think due to, again, these, these sort of like 
self-detrimental tendencies on Saeed's part. He doesn't feel like he necessarily deserves to be freed at this portion of time. And maybe in this moment that's happening, maybe more so with him, it's him trying to like figure out his surroundings and he knows like the more information he offers up, the more he may be digging his own grave. So this is going to start a long sequence of things where Saeed is just not going to talk to his captors unless it's Sawyer. No, Horace is like, I'm going to give you an hour and then we're going to take this to the next level. Um, Meanwhile, at James and Juliet's house, bacon's burning. Uh, She's just like looking out the window and the bacon's on fire. It's the muffins all over again. Poor Juliet just gets distracted by bad news or new arrivals, and she burns food as a result. Yeah, she says, it's over, isn't it? Us, this, playing house, all of it. Uh, And Sawyer's trying to insist, like, nothing's going to change. Yeah, they're back, but nothing's going to change. I have this under control. Um, it doesn't seem like it because Horace comes along. He's like, hey, so we've got like this. Di- this dude's not talking. Uh, I'm going to sick Oldham on him. And Sawyer's like, no, because that's he's a bad. He's, a, he's standing like a psycho, Oldham. Uh, and Sawyer doesn't want that to go down because Oldham's deal is that like, yeah, he's going to get Saeed to spill the beans. And if Saeed spills the beans... Then the jig is up and people know uh, potentially about Sawyer and like he can't have that. He's not having any of that. It's not a thing that he's going to do. So he is going to go and talk to Saeed. He says, Horace says he's not going to talk and Sawyer says he'll talk to me. Uh, (laughs) So Daddy Sawyer is going to go to town. He's crushing, man. Sawyer's the king of season five. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, for, listen, first, I was talking about his looks last episode. Now you call him a daddy. Like, I think we've uh, we've become a pro-Sawyer podcast so gradually you don't even notice. Well, yeah, if we'll you talk- look at, like, the season one stats, this guy was just destroyed in the LVPs, and it's the journey of Sawyer. Like, he, ter- yeah, he, turns, exactly. the, he turns the corner, you know, uh, around, like, you know, season four through, like, end of three through the rest of the show. It's basically, like, Sawyer, like everything's coming up forward. Yeah, once he once he chokes out Anthony Cooper, then like it's an upward He's free. trajectory. He's free. I, I will bring up briefly on the the Juliet and Sawyer stuff. You know, I think one of the things I'm not a huge fan of in this episode, in comparison to all the other rich stuff, is once again poking the embers of the love quadrangle stuff. Right? You could say that Juliet referring to the uh, "is this over" is referring to like the uh, sort of like. I don't know, the the illusion they'd created of the life they set up in Dharmaville. Another read could be, are we over, essentially, now that, that Kate's here because she's looking at Jack and Kate leaving? I'd like to believe it's the former, though we're going to get the love quadrangle talked about much more later in this episode. But I, I will point out... Yet another similarity between Juliet and Kate, right? Juliet brings up her and Sawyer playing house, the exact same phrase that Kate uses back in The Economist when she's shacked up with Sawyer in Dharmaville. Yeah, and I think, to be fair um, to, to like your concerns, they're not just like invalid concerns. The show will literalize the love quadrangle stuff. You know, yeah. like um, it's going to be like like James and Juliet will have like a bit of a falling out before she, you know, truly falls out. Um, and it's going to be related to this stuff. Um, next week, the show will try and convince us 
that like Kate did everything that she did because she needed like an excuse to get rid of like the pain that Sawyer inflicted upon her. And I think that Kate's like actual final scene in that episode in like the flashback portion, um, I think like kind of like stands in defiance of that narrative, which <laughs> yeah, I exactly. love. Exactly. It's like she don't need no man's, yeah. right? She's got Aaron. Which is which is why like I'm still very on board with the episode where she's like, No, I'm going back because I'm gonna do what's right by Aaron. Uh like it's not about Sawyer. Um but the show definitely like uh like you can smell like the the network notes from here. Uh it's like, yeah, you guys can't get rid of the love quad. More puppy love glances, yeah, please. We're gonna need more of that. Anyway, so Sawyer's gonna go and talk to Saeed. Saeed's gonna have an incredible line here. Um it's a good scene. Uh also there's a headbutt coming up. So get ready to enjoy that sound as we listen to sound number three. How you doing? A twelve year old Ben Linus bought me a chicken salad sandwich. How do you think I'm doing? A sweet kid, huh? How can you live with him here? Because I ain't got a choice. Is that so? Let's see how you feel after three years of living in the 70s. Lucky for you, I spent that time getting myself in a position to save your ass. I'm sorry, Saeed. What are you doing? When I tell them I got your confession, I need them to believe that you didn't give it up easy. What confession? We're going to say you were trying to defect. You were going to offer some intel on the others in exchange for living with us. And why in God's name would I want to do that? What the hell else am I supposed to do with you? Let me go. And then what? I can't just let you go. Why not? Because these people trust me. I've built a life here, and a pretty good one. I let you go, all that goes away. So you got yourself a choice, Chief. Either you cooperate and join the party in Dharmaville, or you're on your own. Then I guess I'm on my own. On my own. <laughs> um, a 12-year-old Ben Linus brought me a chicken salad sandwich. How do you think, do you I'm, think doing? I'm doing? This is actually, it's, I don't want to say funny, Saeed episode, but I mean, to your point before about Navy Dangerous performances, I think he gets to show a lot of shades yeah. of Saeed, and you, I think we get a lot of, of like sassy Saeed in this you, episode. You know, it's a word I love, and we don't use uh, sardonic. Yeah, you, know? you know, it's like sort of like a like a Daniel Craig Road to Perdition because it's also effing hysterical. You know, like, right? It's like it's like uh, all you can do is laugh. Yeah. And so, like, it's like, what am I supposed to think? I just got a chicken salad sandwich from Ben Linus. And I half expects her to be like, this is a pretty good sandwich, right? He's given me a few of those. They're tasty. Uh, we showed up a couple years ago, and he was like, hey, you, uh, so you guys are with the others? We had to be like, no. <laughs> and also, don't talk to me because you're Ben Linus and it's creepy as fuck. Um, so, yeah, I, I love this. Uh, I love the Sawyer and Saeed relationship in this episode. Well, yeah, especially, you know, Sawyer's going to headbutt Saeed to, to try to make it seem like it was a struggle. But it also calls back to the very first thing we see the two of them do together in the series, which is fight, right? When Sawyer blames Saeed being like, oh, he's clearly behind the person who took down our plane. Again, back when he was in real LVP territory. It's a really fun look at how far they've gone that Sawyer does invoke violence here, but it is almost like for Saeed's benefit. Yeah, he's going to headbutt him in the face so that he can, like, make it look like he's sprung out of here so that he doesn't have to, like, 
you know, drag poor Saeed through what he's about to get dragged through. Or yeah, well, basically, through. yeah, he's going well, he's, he's gonna be like, I'm gonna. Well, first he's gonna try to att- first he's gonna try to beat up Saeed to make it look like he beat a confession out of him. Later on, he's gonna ask Saeed to beat him up right. to make it look like he had beaten him up, stolen right. the keys, and left. Uh, so, and I also love the very realistic thing where Sawyer headbutts Saeed and is like, "Oh my god, that hurt!" Because yeah, when you headbutt someone, as badass as it may be, it really does hurt the person who headbutts as well. Sounds like you're speaking from experience as somebody who's headbutted a lot of people. Not a lot of people, but certainly it's one of those things, right, that you see on TV and you're like, let me try it. And then you do it and you're like, oh, God. Sort of like, um, you know, punching with, like, your your thumb over your knuckles to, like, oh, I've seen, you know, Shaft do that. And then you're like, oh, there's a reason why only Shaft can do that. That really hurts when you do it as a real-life human. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's really kind of a, a, a classic move um, from Shaft. Um, all right, so that's going on. Um in the uh, the Dharma kitchen, the dining area, uh, Hurley, who is uh, Chef Reyes at this point, yes. uh, he's uh, very proud of his breakfast. Don't forget the dipping sauces. It really brings out the ham. <laughs> now, what do you think that means in um, so many ways? <laughs> like, are we talking like McNuggets dipping sauces variety? I think it's got to be Dharma brand dipping sauces. Uh, but like, it looks like they're eating like waffles and ham, right? Like, yeah, I didn't see any. I guess the ham was underneath the waffles. Everything just looked flat and circular. Uh, so you know, and though I think it's a mistake if the Dharma brand waffles are not in the shape of an octagon, yeah. right? That just feels very inappropriate. I mean, I think Dharma waffles, yeah, they really, uh, they sell themselves. Like, you could see that. Uh, you could see exactly what that looks like. The waffle station. Uh, the breakfast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Please head over to the waffle station. Yeah. Yeah, uh, don't forget the, the 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 salad station as well. Yeah, but the problem with the waffle station is you actually have to press the timer every 108 seconds mm-hmm. to keep your waffle nice and toasty brown. Or yeah, it burns. or burns. Uh, the dipping sauces, like it's just maple syrup, right? Like what else is yeah. there? It is a well, strange. Like, it's a strange turn of phrase. Like I guess if it's ham and it's a little more savory, like I guess you could provide something spicier i suppose but like if i'm eating breakfast i don't think i want buffalo sauce early i don't know it's hard it's hard uh but he's proud of it and so everyone's just like merrily eating along um they're trying to figure out what's going on with saeed they know that saeed's been captured they don't know exactly what's up yet um and so jack's like listen sora told me to leave him alone do his job that's what i'm doing uh and like he also mentions like and juliet wouldn't say anything either uh and uh this is how kate finds out that juliet and sawyer are living together uh and hurley's like yeah they're together and not his roommates they're together like you guys were Duh, hurley uh and it's just so awkward and he's like who didn't see that coming come on i'm gonna go make more waffles i mean to be fair hurley literally the entire lost fandom did not see it coming including the actors themselves did not see it coming we talked about this in lafleur yeah uh it's sad what are you gonna do this moment between kate and jack but uh we're setting that up i'm sure this is among the stuff that you don't like about this episode yeah i think it's just a little bit of like samey samey whereas we're exploring real new ground with this type of stuff uh, especially getting to like deepen the breadth of what it is to be back in the 70s especially with characters that we know uh which we're really going to get into especially in this next scene yeah i'm not a huge fan of this especially because it really seemed like now that we know the way the things end up 
like you talk about circling the drain, it sort of is like, all right, we're, we're sort of, you know, unnecessarily complicating things when there's so much other rich content to drill for. And we're instead hit, hitting pockets we've already pumped. Um, let's go back to the prison. We'll do sound four here as we get a scene that, like, helps highlight that, like, Benjamin Linus wasn't always an awful person and, in fact, had many awful things that he had to deal with in his life. And I think that this scene, like, really effectively illustrates this as uh, Saeed and Ben's father come into contact for the first time. You know what I can't figure out? It's how the hell you got caught. You also supposed to be the kings of the jungle. How dumb are you that you got captured by these idiots? <laughs> and yet you're the one who mops up after them. Yeah, well... We'll see how cute you are once Oldham gets down with you, pal. What the hell are you doing here? I was bringing you a sandwich. A sandwich? You never made me a sandwich in your life. Yeah, well, I made one for myself. Uh-huh. So... So I just thought that oh, maybe... Oh, yeah, did. Yeah, don't! Don't you lie to me. What are you doing? <laughs> you made this sandwich for him, didn't you? Hmm? Yes. Who told you to do that? Nobody. Nobody. I just thought that... You just thought, huh? Go home. Go on. I'll tell you what to think. So Roger Linus is as much trash as the stuff he's picking up, but I do love the way Uncle Rico just incredulously says, a sandwich. A sandwich. Uh, sandwich. Yeah. Uh, it's like, but you already got him a chicken salad sandwich. Yeah, there's more chicken salad. Also, he always says, try it with the dipping sauce. Damn it, he keeps pushing these dipping sauces for every meal. For everyone. I've had too many dipping sauces. Yeah, also, uh, you'll notice Roger says old ham. Is that, yeah. uh, does this dipping sauce bring out the new ham? Oh, could it be that the reason why there is dipping sauce is because all the ham is old, and Hurley's walk- working with expired ham? Yeah, I think it could be. We have to joke because it's so awful. This is just like, uh, this is horrible to watch. Yeah. So, I mean, this is also confirmation of like, yeah, we got a little bit of a little bit of emotional abuse certainly hinted towards in uh, in the man behind the curtain. Right. Like he sort of lashes out at Ben. But here we see physical abuse. We see him just like pushing him up against it. We have things like I tell you what to think. He literally says and just a nice fun reminder how Roger Linus is an absolutely deplorable human being. Yeah, I think like, you know, it was already like clear that he was just like atrocious to his son during the man behind the curtain, but this just like uh like bolds and italicizes atrocious. Uh like the the way he like smashes this poor kid's face against the bars. It's so hard to watch. Um especially cuz like the way I think the way that Sterling Beaumont plays the character like he's so upset, like he's like yeah. he's like you know like the hot like the cracking in his voice like and knowing who this guy is, it, like almost, I don't know, like it, it adds something. I think also, well, like, yeah, because I, it, it's this idea of like Benjamin Linus is afraid of no one, so when he is afraid of someone, it's a big deal. Yeah, you know that that the boogeyman has a boogeyman. 
almost in the form of his dad. Is it any recompense to know that Roger Linus furiously smashes the plate with the sandwich, but he's the one that has to clean it up? Um, not much. Not much. Some, I guess, but not really. Like, because he's never gonna like clean up his own mess. I guess he'll he'll lie in it uh eventually right like you know he's i guess he doesn't because everybody else lies in the pit and he just languishes in the van exactly um, he becomes roger workman as it were I, at least he gets one more dig in at him right where he says you're the one who, who's end up mopping up after them and you have roger sort of like swearing under his breath right of like i'll get them one day they thought they could make me a workman but i'll work my way up you'll see yeah and i think that this is a this is again it's not a thing that like justifies all the terrible things that ben does and like worth also saying like you know, Saeed's actions aren't justified either. Um, but right. I think, like, the way that they, like, are trying to dimensionalize these people who have done terrible things, uh, I think is, like, very, very effective and very moving and very... It's the kind of stuff that you can explore in long-form storytelling, whether it's a novel yes. or a series of graphic novels or a TV show. Like, this is the... This is the this is the benefit that you get, that you can really live with these people. Um, and yeah, so, like, it's, it's just... It- it doesn't justify, it explains. Yes. I think that's a very key difference here. It's yes. not saying, hey, we should be okay with what Ben did because he had a shitty dad. It's just more so, okay, Ben did things because he has a shitty dad. Yeah, it's like maybe let's all uh, try to be a little bit cooler towards each other would be great. Uh, that would be great if we could do that. Would be fantastic. Um, all right, so that's sound number four. We're gonna we're gonna go from this thing of like Saeed watching this horrible thing happen to Ben, and I think that this is important for him. You know, I think he like mm-hmm. sees it. I, I think he sees this in Ben. I think he like in many ways probably like sees himself in this poor kid. Well, yeah, that's that's what he, that's what he's going to say to Ben later on, right? In that intro clip, he's like, "Yeah, your dad kind of like slapped you around." I can understand that. I had a pretty big a hole of a dad too. Yeah, my father was hard on me as well, and I think like there's like real uh, true sorrow and empathy as he's saying those things, where he's like, "I." St- I still have to kill you because you are damned as am I. Um, Like, I'm still going to go ahead and do it. But like, now I don't like, I don't hate you the way that I did. Maybe now I like pity you, you know, now, exactly. Now I, now I see you with the chips are down and like, you poor unfortunate soul, you sad, sad, sad <laughs> uh, thing. If only Sai could have stolen his Body voice instead of language. shitting him. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm just imagining Navy and Andrews in this like clamshell bra as an octopus. Unbelievable. Um, anyway, so I think that it's, it's a very important scene for, for Saeed and the choice that he's going to go on to make. Um, we'll do another flashback. We're in the Dominican Republic. This is where Saeed is fixing the roofs. Um, that same roof yeah at least we see him like inside the house this time um uh but we're gonna see ben is gonna come and visit him he's gonna try it's the recruitment drive again it's like i see that your membership of the patreon has lapsed would you like to come (laughs) back uh is kind of what ben does inside it's like no i left for a reason it's like guys i get it okay we won't push too hard so 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 Uh, patrons out there if michael emerson does come to your door (laughs) in the beginning of the month that's what it is (laughs) unreal um Okay, well, let's listen in as Ben is going to make his uh, best go to patreon.com slash post show recaps uh, <laughs> modeled uh, sales pitch. How did you find me? I looked. What do you want, Ben? John Locke is dead. I think he was murdered. Why would anyone kill him? 
I'd say it was retribution for the work you and I have been doing. So you're in danger, Saeed. If I can find you, so can the people that found Locke. The same people who, even as we speak, are sitting outside Hugo's mental institution. They're watching him? A man in a sedan has been there all week. Just waiting. Presumably for you or me to show our faces. And that's why you're here. You actually came all this way to suggest that I kill this man. You don't want to? What makes you think I want to? Because, Saeed, to put it simply, you're capable of things that most other men aren't. Every choice you've made in your life, whether it was to murder or to torture, it hasn't really been a choice at all, has it? It's in your nature. It's what you are. You're a killer, Saeed. I'm not what you think I am. I don't like killing. Well, then I apologize. I was mistaken about you. Oh, I love this scene yeah, so much. It's really good. It's just like sort of that, like, I love like the, the clandestine espionage type stuff here, you know, like I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's really, really neat. And I do think again, like this is to your point of like Ben being like, wait, you don't want to do it? Like I thought you'd be an easy sell. Exactly. And I, what I also, what I love about this scene though, is like you said, it is this sort of espionage scene, but it is shrouded in identity philo- uh, philosophy, which I really love. I, I, I always love these sort of like I am statements, right? We saw this from the beginning of the series where Sawyer says, we all have our roles to play. Uh, and here Ben is basically saying, your role is the killer. And I also love this idea that we've been talking about a lot, and we will be talking about a lot with whatever happened happened. Uh, the concept, not the episode, is this idea of choice, where essentially Ben said, every choice you made was not yours to make. And I think that is much like I think Saeed is sort of, in, in part, at least in denial about his own role to Ben in this moment. He's like looking through a cracked mirror where the picture isn't necessarily there completely. I think that Ben is also, like, uh, projecting a bit of himself here, too, right? We've talked about this, how Ben has almost mentally excused himself to do incredibly terrible things by feeling like he had to do it for a greater purpose. He was doing it for Jacob. The island told him to. And so, again, I think it's a bit of Ben being like, I understand your hands are tied because you have this larger purpose to serve. You think you can make a choice, but you really don't have any free will in the matter. So you do horrible things and kill a bunch of people. I've been there too. And here Saeed is in this moment basically saying, I'm not you. Uh, And so I I think, again, Saeed's going to eventually come around to that from a certain perspective. But I think it's a big identifier scene, not only in seeing how Ben views Saeed, but how Ben also views himself. Yeah, uh, I I really like this too from Saeed's point of view of like, what do you think you're doing? You're coming here. I'm not a kill. I'm I'm a builder. 
I'm building yeah. things. Like I'm I'm helping people. I'm like I'm I'm lifting people up right now. I'm choosing to do some real work, like real good, as he says to quote unquote Jeremy Bentham when Locke comes and visit him. Like if whenever you want to put the island away, come here and do some some real good. Like that's what he thinks he's doing right now. He's not wrong either. Um, yeah. But then like when he finds out that somebody he really cares about is in danger in Hurley, um, he's going to once again like. Uh, like, all right, what's another couple of notches on my on my tally here, right? Like, you know, what's I, I'm already going to hell. May as well, uh, you know, just like see this through and protect my friend. Um, so it the sales pitch works, and unfortunately, um, Ben is basically able to drag Saeed back to to hell and the island uh, by kind of like summoning him back to the war. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about that because so this comes as. Ben is going to allude to, right? This comes after that scene in The Life and Death of Jeremy Bentham where Locke comes to him. He's the very first person he goes to and basically says, go back to the island. And Saeed tells him no, right? He talks about how leaving the island, he was with Nadia. Those were the best nine months of his life. And I think there you see a Saeed who really took Ben's advice to heart, right? Of like, go somewhere, get on with your life. I think Saeed was building a better life for himself, quite literally there. No wonder he became a builder. He had sort of moved on. I think if I could, you know, put myself in his head, probably compartmentalizing everything that he did to your point and was saying, all right, it's time to move on. Let me sort of like throw myself into something else, pursuing a greater good, as it were. And then here comes Benjamin Linus, who, as we're going to talk about, you know, in the scene with Alana, drudges up, I think, a bunch of feelings and allows him to to look at himself in a way that he really didn't need to before. He was uh, building a house for himself, but he didn't install any mirrors necessarily. He allowed himself to throw himself behind wood and tools. But when Ben essentially provides a way for him to look back at all the stuff that he did, it's going to make Saeed come around in a way to the point where we don't obviously see Saeed go back. But Ben is going to mention the guy stationed out of Santa Rosa. And the thing we see in the season four finale is Hurley breaking uh, Saeed breaking Hurley out. So it's very clear. And I guess the timeline is that he probably immediately left at that point. But he is going to basically turn tail and go back. And as you said, sort of get sucked back into Ben's vortex, as it were, because I think Ben's visit had unfortunately reminded him as much as you feel like you can escape being who you are, Ben defining who you are is certainly a reckoning. Yeah, for sure. Um, in 1977, the Dharma Initiative comes and grabs Saeed. He's got nothing to say, so they grab him. They bring him uh, to the jungle to meet Old yeah, He does Ham. get shocked, not shot. He does shoot someone later shot. on. That's right. Uh, old Ham's uh, rocking out to some Billy Holiday in the jungle. Yeah, so let's talk about Oldemir, because we're going to be, let's be upfront here. Josh and I had a conversation before this podcast about whether or not Oldham deserves an LVP point because of, like, what he participates in. But here's the thing, folks. Oldham is pretty remarkable at his job. He's, he's, very, a, he's a very good. He's very good. And also, let's look at like comparing this to Saeed himself. I know that Sawyer's gonna say he's our you, but by comparison, uh Oldham's going through some like pretty non-lethal techniques, right? He's just gonna drug up a sugar cube with truth serum and let you talk instead of like pulling your toenails off. So I think that Oldham, from what we see, actually seems to be pretty okay 
at, at everything he's doing. He's not going about things violently, and he is getting things out of people. I'm definitely not on the team of, like, Oldham's a good guy. Like, I, No, I, definitely I, not. But I think, like, very effective at what he's doing. He's going to get Saeed to tell the truth. Uh, as Saeed is going to say as he's cackling, you used exactly enough. Uh, yeah. so, like, I think, like, in the, like, the Ethan Rom is great at being terrible school of thought, like, I think Oldham will probably, uh, I don't think he's gonna chart this week, actually, would be my No, he will not, bet. but it'll be a wash, I think. I think some people might come in expecting us to be like, oh, yeah, he's gonna get thrown in on there, know. but I, he, you know, he, so he's played by, uh, tremendous character actor william sanderson who's just been great in a ton of things uh he's the sheriff on true blood for a little while oh um, yeah he was i forgot about that before uh andy belfler took over he's uh eb farnham on on deadwood he was on Newhart, like you know for years he's he's great uh like he's just like a fun like whenever whenever william sanderson pops up it's great uh and so like just like this one-off appearance from him on Lost is like so strange and just like an odd little like casting footnote that I've always found delightful. So I'm not going to be mad because I I love the actor. Uh, that's already going to give him a leg up. If we're talking about one-off Dharma people, give me Oldham over Isabel any day of the week. Of just like yes, this is going to be the only time we see him, but he's not like bringing up all these questions. He's not like a really terribly written character either he just sort of pops in and does his thing that being said as good as he is at his job he seems incredibly scary uh like he just the way that he looks right it's this idea of like he looks like an everyman has that blue jumpsuit has those specs on he seems like that type of person that's capable of doing some really effed up shit but you wouldn't necessarily expect it from the package that he presents so i could imagine he might be the psychopath that sawyer describes we just don't see it in this episode yeah um but he shows up here's uh here's oldham he's gonna put the lsd on the sugar cube he's our you they're gonna restrain saeed this is for your protection. There's side effects to what we're giving you. Uh, and they put the sugar cube in his mouth. Uh, and Oldham says, don't be afraid. Just let it take its thing. Just let it do its thing. Side, like, lurches forward. Uh, he just, like, kind of, yeah. like, springs forward. And what's going to be interesting, we'll talk about this in the next sound clip, which is sort of like Saeed's drug trip. But the music that comes in here is the same music that happened with Locke's trip with Boone in Further Instructions. That's a good callback, except I don't like that episode. But it's be- yeah. it's it's better. Uh, they're putting it to better use now. Except, so. except that we don't see Oldham wheeling, you know, a shoeless Saeed through an airport, pointing to people. No, we don't. He tells him, uh, no matter what, one thing's for sure: you're going to tell us the truth, and indeed he will. But first, another flashback uh, as Saeed is pounding McCutcheon. It's very expensive: one hundred twenty dollars for a glass. Right, so this is post, uh, you know, don't run into me again or it'll be incredibly bad for both of us. Yeah, he's like, like, we're getting the other side of what happened at the marina with Benjamin Linus being there, everything like that. He's at the bar, um, and here comes Lana uh, ordering a ribeye, bloody. Bloody. Uh, I wonder, hopefully there's dipping sauces to go alongside that, because I don't want, like, raw meat. Yeah, she does, though. She wants it raw. She wants the raw meat. Um, So she's going to order a bloody ribeye. Uh, there's a, a question where he goes, are you a professional? She goes, am I a prostitute? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I do. I wonder if Said was actually asking that or if he was like 
incredibly embarrassed that he just doesn't respond, right? He's like, oh, shit. Oh, oh, I did. Oh, boy. All right. Just don't respond. Because uh, it'd be pretty rude if Sight was like, hey, are you an escort lady Look, who's randomly ordering steak at the bar? He's been here before with Elsa, right? So, like, he may be asking, are you a professional? Like, are you in this line of work, too? Like, yeah, that, yeah, that's that's what I thought. Yeah. And I'd imagine that, like, I think Alana does a good and job here. close to also, the truth, you know? Yeah, that's and that's a good thing. She redirects the conversation, right, by being, like, trying to, I think, emotionally... Uh, have him step back by being like, "How dare you?" He's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, oh I, I, I don't, I don't mean anything by that." I think it's actually a really good diversion technique. Spoiler alert: Alana's getting an MVP point from me this week because I think she actually she uh, she takes out the assassin. She That's does a good job. Incre- she does incredibly commendable. Yeah, it, I mean, hit Said in the weak spot. Like Said's weak spot is just like you know you really could have put him in the sideways with like any number of women. He falls in love very <laughs> oh, quickly. God. You know, like Sh- Shannon gets the spot, but like you can imagine Elsa. You can imagine Alana. He just falls hard. He falls very hard. Could you hard imagine if, if Saeed wakes up is like a series of him kissing all these random women, and be like, "Oh, I remember you now, and you too. Yeah. Oh, yes, and you as well." It's wild. Um, but she says, "Like, I, you look sad. I like sad men." She comes over to him. Yes, it's uh, that popular TV show about the ad agency that hasn't come out yet because it's oh, no, it's 2007. I guess it's come out S- at this point. Sad men is out. Uh, if the Phil looks very familiar for some reason. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, he's says i'm in between jobs right now i quit the only thing i was ever good at um but i'm trying to change uh and so like he's like trying like he's kind of like i i I just came back to like the assassin game again i should stop i can't keep doing this this isn't good i think what it is is it's addiction, I think, in a manner of speaking. We yes, spoke about this, this a lot. This is an addiction with, story, for sure. Yeah, we spoke about this a lot with Locke and Anthony Cooper as well, right? That, like, you try to, to move on from things, but there are various things that will tempt you back down that bad path. And I think Saeed relapsed, right? He ends up going on this killing spree. He takes out the guy outside Santa Rosa. He stabs the guy at, with the dishwasher knife. And now he's like, oh, crap, what did I do this all for? He realized that he was being manipulated by Ben and Jack to get back on Oceanic 815. And so now I think he's at a really tough point. And in swoops Alana, who says the right thing at the right time, right? She basically says, well, isn't it the worst when you're good at something? People will try to tempt you into being the same and that's exactly what Saeed needs to hear at that moment. Yep, so it's it's working. We'll see how that plays out in a little while. First, let's go back to the island. Let's get to the scene of the episode. This is Saeed being tortured by Oldham. Hello there. Hello. I'm going to ask you a few questions. I want you to relax and answer them truthfully. Not that you'll have any choice about it. What is your name? Saeed. Saeed Jarrah. All right, Saeed. Why were you in handcuffs when we found you? Because... Because I am a bad man. Were you running away from your people? What people? hostiles I am not a hostile then where did you come from Saeed I came on a plane what plane a Jira flight 316 and that's how I returned to the island returned you've been here before oh yes the first time I was on oceanic flight 815 crashed 
I was here for a hundred days. Then I left. Who saw you? Who saw you? Who cares? None of this matters. Ask him about the flame. Quiet. What do you know about our stations here? I know the flame was a communication station. The pearl was to observe other stations. The swan was to study electromagnetism. But of course, that was before the incident. The swan? How could he know what we were going to name it? We haven't even built it yet. I told you, we saw the model. You see, he is a spy. Hey, I knew it. Radzinski, I'm not going to tell you again. Cool it. You're all going to die, you know. What? You're going to kill. How exactly would you know this, Saeed? Because I am from the future. Maybe I should use half a dropper? Oops. <laughs> you, you used exactly enough. It's one of my favorite scenes of Lost. I know I always say that. It's it's so good. It's so it's so good. It's so I mean, good. Drugged up Saeed, man. Like I want to have a night out with him because he seems like a hoot and a half. But it's like when- the kind of thing where like, you know what? You you're so low. You're so low. You are You're Han Solo. You are Han so low. Uh and you have like nothing. You've got nothing. And and like you always suspected you belonged in hell and look around you friend, you're there, a little hot for heaven. <laughs> little, you're back. Yeah, I was going to say. You know, and like um you know, it's he he has no choice but to tell the truth because of what he's on, but there is like this sort of again it's this sardonic quality but there's also like catharsis involved in it and just like there is true delirium because this is ridiculous this is a ridiculous situation this is absolutely absurd that any of this has happened that he is in the past he's from the future he's killed these people you're all gonna die this is absurd it's also effing hysterical and it's this it's this really fine balance between being like disturbing upsetting and kind of hilarious and it is just like i think a next level performance from navine andrews uh the line reads are just so you're all going to die you know you're going to be killed like just like there's so much here even ask sawyer it's just like it's so 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 good like the rest of this episode could be trash and it would still hit in the threes just because of this episode uh because of this scene well, I think something that we haven't really talked about that this episode does a really incredible job doing, even in retrospect, when you know everything's going to be fine, this does such a good job, I would argue much better than Namaste, of really setting up the stakes of being found out. You know, despite Sawyer calming everyone down, being like, I've got it, everything's clear, this scene especially, like, is so freaking tense, knowing that Saeed is telling the truth, right? You think for a second, okay, maybe he took truth serum, but, like, it's Saeed, right? He can lie his way out of anything. No, 
he reveals absolutely everything. And there's that one second where he says, ask, ask Sawyer, and you, like, take a small gasp in. Yeah. You're like, oh, my God, everything just got sold out. Thanks to stupid Radzinski, luckily, for, like, derailing the conversation immediately from that. But it really sets up just how much of a sticky situation they're all in and how much of a tightrope they're walking. Luckily, I think the Saeed problem is solved in one episode, in a manner of speaking, in that he's gone. But at the same time, this is what Sawyer feared the most, that... Everything would get sold out. He would be ruined and arguably dead as a result. And there'd be plenty more questions. So it's also just an incredibly tense scene made even more tense, ironically enough, by the jocular way the Naveen Andrews is performing it right high as a kite. I really love the end of it in particular for a couple of reasons. First, his whole thing of, you know, you're going to die, you know, uses apparently, according to Jim Fells, the music that plays in Exodus when they see the black pillar of smoke in the very beginning. Mm. So it's like, it's a really great indicator of, okay, this is a reminder of the others are coming essentially back when we didn't necessarily know who the others were. It's a really great callback, but also Lostpedia reminded me of us. We have very rarely seen Saeed laugh. This is time number three. The other two times, the first time speaking of Exodus was when the raft launch happened the second time was all the way back in pilot part two when he hears Rousseau's distress signal. So like this is a character who is not seen laughing a lot on Lost. And so when he does it, especially in the way the Naveen Andrews performs it, it's a big deal because it means something's wrong. Something's unhinged. Yeah. And what's funny about it, too, is that like by all accounts, uh, Naveen Andrews seems like a really playful person. Uh, Absolutely, you, you yeah. like watch an interview with him. Like he's very funny. He's very sarcastic. Uh, so like there are ways in which like Saeed is like really overly serious compared to Naveen Andrews. Look no further than not every nook and cranny, John. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so like he's got that vibe, uh, and he gets to really, uh, he gets to like turn on some person. Like it's very disturbing because it's so unlike Saeed. Um, yeah. but it also feels so earned. Like. This man and everything he has done and everything he has seen and all of the things that he has been through and endured uh, has, like, earned this moment of just, like, unfiltered catharsis and just, like, uh, like unloading, unloading everything he's been uh, suffering. Um, it's great. It's just such an excellent scene. Uh, it's, just, it's the centerpiece of the, of the episode, but I think in, in a real way... Uh, it is like the crowning jewel in the Saeed Jarrah story is like this moment. Like this is this is a Mount Rushmore Saeed moment as far as I'm concerned. Well, not to mention that. By the way, that's a fun idea for a series of podcasts. Oh, I think we we might find something to do yeah, before chronologically lost. What's the what is like the the four toad statue for each oh, character? Oh yeah, what's the know? what's the toe for each character? Yeah, yeah. Uh, pick your toes. Tearless the toes. But yeah, I think that what I love about this scene too is like you said, like. It's a different Saeed behavior in multiple ways. And that, again, Saeed is someone who really keeps his cards close to his chest. Saeed is not very open about things. We tend to see when he is, tragedy ensues, usually in the form of a dead girlfriend. But, you know, to to have him now be so completely open and spill the beans about everything, when he knows how pivotal pivotal information can be that's his career path it's just such a big deal it's again a really really brilliant scene i really agree maybe besides the ending it's my favorite scene of the episode just because of all the 
horror, you know, adrenaline spike, and also just like sickening aspects it contains. So gross. I love it. Um, all right. So Kate and Juliet at the motor pool. Uh, Kate has no idea what the hell is going on. She has no idea what to do. She yeah. she brings up the the Sawyer and Juliet stuff, and Juliet's like relieved. Didn't know quite how to tell you about it without it sounding like I was telling you to stay away. They used this, I remember, as like part of like the preview for this episode, and they like mm. play it up for like the intrigue. But in reality, it's like a totally fine moment, right? Like there's yeah. like there's really nothing going on here. It's literally just Juliet being like, "Yeah, that's going on. I feel good that like we're able to talk about it, and it's not too weird." Yeah, it's this idea of like, well, you weren't Sawyer's ex-girlfriend, but you kind of were, so I just want to, to get everything out of the way before we work together. It also is fun, though, because Evangeline Lilly reveals in Lost on Location that she is actually a huge grease monkey. Like she said, she would walk by the big rigs they had on set and be able to tell if the winch needs greasing up or something. And so now to have her play Kate, who knows absolutely nothing about cars, apparently is very fun. Yeah, pretty good. Um, Sawyer walks by. He and Juliet have a look as he he and the Dharma boys are going to have a family meeting. Um, let's listen in. Sound number seven. All right. What do we do with him? We kill him. Hold on a second. We're not killing anyone, right? He violated the truce. What do you think they would do if they caught one of us? Since when did we start acting like them? We're civilized. Yes, we are. We have a rule of law, and we've given him every opportunity to defend himself. Blah, blah, blah. Need I remind you, this man's seen things. He knows things. There's nothing to talk about. He's a spy. You sure about that, Stu? He was trying to escape from the hostels. He obviously has problems with his people. Yeah, and sharing our secrets are the quickest way for him to solve those problems. Okay, I'm going to need a little more time to consider. Consider? <laughs> I mean, the longer he's among us... the the more danger we're in. I can talk to him, Horace. I just need more time. No, you had your chance, LaFleur. Why are we on your clock, Radzinski? Horace, you've got to call for a vote. Either we make a decision, or I call Ann Arbor. And they make it for us. Radzinski's right. Horace, please. I can't. Can't sleep with one eye open. We have a baby now. We have to think about Ethan. We have to think about all the children here. How are we going to feel safe with this man around? I don't know what he's up to, but we can't keep him here. We have no choice. Okay. Let's put it to a vote. All in favor of Radzinski's solution, raise your hand. say it's unanimous oh 
LVPs. LVPs, the lot of you. Everywhere. Everywhere in LVP. Uh, I, I hate this moment from Horace. I'd really like it to be unanimous. I would really love it if we all unanimously agreed upon murdering this person. I would really love it if every single person was on board with executing this guy, even though you've expressed that you're not on board with it. But we saw this, in my opinion, what back a in, in, La, in LaFleur, right, where he's like, Amy, listen, I know you don't want to let go of Phil's body, but imagine what'll happen. Like, Horace is really good at that really subtle guilting of people, and I feel like that's shades of it here. Well, Jim, it's got to be unanimous. You have to vote. Uh, it's sort of like uh, he's on a reality show, right? Like, it'd be really nice if you voted alongside us and you proved your loyalty to the tribe. Uh, I mean... He's in a bad place. Rydzinski, of course, is beating this stupidly incorrect drum of like, well, we got to kill him because he knows about the swan, obviously. Right. He saw my model. He saw my toothpicks. He saw my uh, toys. I, though I also hope that when Sawyer asks, why are we on your clock, Rydzinski, he thinks like, hmm, a clock. That's a really interesting idea. I yeah. should put that in my new station. Let me write that down. Yeah. That's not so, bad. And, Amy also not good. I think again, as I mentioned, she had a she had a good introductory episode. I feel like in Lafleur, but definitely a bit of a turn here, yeah. right? Which is like, yeah, I think we should kill this guy to protect my baby. Yeah, I had said this before that I uh, I love Rachel Aylesworth. She's Michelle Dessler. She's from Twenty Four. That's uh, a character who I will adore for my entire life, uh, and I really dislike her on Lost. I just don't care for Amy Goodspeed. Um, Remember the thoughts that Amy Goodspeed and Amelia Earhart are the same person that Amelia Earhart oh, is? Oh, right. She, the, the, one, is, the, the one who drops by to visit Juliet, right, when she talks about Ben's x-rays. Is this right? Is this the same person? What do you think? Yeah, I, now I hope not. Because <laughs> I liked <laughs> Amelia and I, I just would love like to know, Amy. like, what was the story of, like, getting her to this moment? Like, how did she yeah. get on board with the others? I'd love to know. Maybe it's just this idea of she is so afraid. Because remember, this is now what... Two days after she had her baby. No, I guess this is, is this taking place the same day as the events of Namaste. No, no, it's at least the day afterwards. But yeah, it's like it seems like it's two days later. Yeah. So I do think she's you know starkly afraid of. We got to look out for the children. Ironically enough, uh, it's one of the children that's going to kill everyone in the room, including her husband. There's also just something I spoke about this before, but like such an eye opening thing for me. Especially the line, I think it's Amy who says it right, where Sawyer proposes, okay, well, what if we, you know, indoctrinate him in with, with us and, you know, get his intel? And she basically says, you know, I don't know if he would be welcome. And I don't know, there's just something there, in my opinion, that feels a little coded. Yeah. I don't think it's, 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 it's you know, uh, purposeful on Kintis and Horowitz's part, but I think it's very meaningful looking back, right? Like that whole adage of not being welcomed is, I think, so couched in ethnic perceptions that i think it being said about a middle eastern character especially back in the 70s there might be some element to that as well yeah i think that you're not off uh i don't think you're off on that at all um it's a it's an important scene in this episode i think like speaking to sort of like the dharma culture at the time uh, and yeah, just emphasis, like the ex- emphasis on cult yeah and the extent of sawyer's influence here which is to say not enough not enough Yeah, because that's moment. the thing remember i mean we, we gave him so many points in namaste and in lafleur right because he is saying okay i have control he's able to worm his him and his crew's way into dharma for three years but now he has really run up against his first obstacle like yeah. he thought he was out of the woods by taking care of jack 
Kate and Hurley, but really the thorn in his side, his Saeed, is going to be Saeed. And I think it's a really tense moment on Josh Holloway's part. And when you see him remorsefully put his hands up, like it's in that moment where you realize, you know, what Sawyer vocalized to Saeed before of like, there's really no saving you. He is going to try one more time after this one more final getaway attempt for Saeed. But I think he pretty much realizes in this moment, like, it's either him or me. And as much as I've changed as a person, I've got to value myself right now because if I'm sold out, that means everyone else is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Flashback time. Alana and Saeed are making out and she gets the drop on him. Yeah, so uh, something out of, like, the 40-year-old virgin. <laughs> he takes off her boot, she kicks him in the face, and then pulls a gun on him. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I was hired to bring you to Guam. I'm taking you to Guam. Right, and this is when she lies that uh, she's from the family of Peter Avellino, a.k.a. the golf course guy that we saw on the previously on. Again, we know this is not the case, but... Hooey. She's just, it's yeah, she's hooey. Trying, <laughs> she's trying to, uh, to put herself in under the guise of this bounty hunter. She's her own Mandalorian, I suppose. Yes. Um, somebody's smoking mirrors here. Uh, yeah, it's the deceits and cons on top of deceits and cons. It's probably too complicated, but hey, she does get one over on Saeed, so good for her. Uh, a, a, a rare victorious moment for Alana here. <laughs> rare bright of light here for this oft-forgotten character. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm happy for her. Uh, you know, she's able to, you know, everybody gets to have one, so... Alana Verdansky, enjoy your bloody ribeye and getting one over on Saeed. Uh, good day to be you. Um, Meanwhile, Sawyer wants to be beaten like a ribeye uh, by Saeed. I just love how he comes up to Saeed goes, hit me in the face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's so good. Because, again, this is Sawyer's plan of, okay, now we're going to stage it. Last ditch effort. You're going to, I'm going to let you escape. You know, we're really in a desperate mode right now. It's the 11th hour, but you can rough me up a little bit. You know, yeah. you've been wanting to do this. You did it to me when I was tied up to a tree myself back in episode eight of the series. Go ahead and do it. And Saeed refuses. Yeah, it's, it's so it's so it's such a testament to how far the show has come. Sawyer is just like fighting tooth and nail to uh to protect this guy who pulled out his nails once you know like he's he's doing shoved bamboo under them he's doing everything he can to do right by this guy he's really trying hard um i think like your earlier point he's like trying to like vouch and say vouch for and save the guy that like he was being horrible and racist towards at the start of the series um i think it's just it's we're through the looking glass with these characters in a in a meaningful way and like Saeed is like, no, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I now know why I am here. Uh, I have a purpose now. I felt there was no purpose before, but now I know that there is. Now I know that I have been brought here for something because, like, he has this moment in, when he's um, under the truth serum when he says, um, "Why, why are you back here? It's because I'm a bad I'm a man." Bad man. And yeah. the way, and like the awful, awful look on his face, right? Uh, of like um, a kid who's been caught doing something naughty, you know, like a kid who got in trouble. Um, I'm a bad man. It's so sad. And so like, that's how he views himself. He believes he's a bad man. He believes that he is the one who can take it upon himself to do a bad thing for the right reasons. Um, so he doesn't want to be freed. He wants to play into to baby Ben Linus's hands. 
so that he can do the thing that must be done to save everybody in his mind. He's wrong, but that's why he's doing it. Um, yeah, um, it's also notable to the fact that he does use this very imbued word of purpose. And as much as we've focused on Jack taking on some more Lockean principles in terms of destiny, I do feel like this is a unique perspective from Saeed, too. Right, Mr. If we talked about uh, Jack and Locke being on the polar opposites of things, Said was always like somewhere in the middle, but always more so skewing towards Jack. He is the one who tells Locke in season one, I don't believe what I can't see. And now here he is sort of being like, I didn't realize my purpose in life when I landed back on the island saying, why the hell am I here? But now I realized it. I, I think it's a wholly different take on Said for himself than anything we've experienced before. The man who's usually so level-headed, so rational, so action and plan-oriented. For him to think about, like, why am I doing this? Why am I here? Feels like a new turn for the character, and given everything that he had been through before coming back to the island, I think it really scans. Um, Sawyer has uh, his head full of, uh, of this talk about purpose. Uh, and so he needs to ask Kate. He goes to Kate. He storms up to her house. Why did you all come back? Uh, what's your purpose? Why did you do this? Uh, and she says, I don't know about anybody else. I just know about my what my purpose is. And we'll find out next week on Lost. Because, because there's a flaming van in the meantime. Also, there's a small change in the writing. But Sawyer goes from, why did you come back? So why did y'all come back? Uh-huh. Which I think is really interesting word choice, right? Because you feels like he's referring specifically to Kate, but then he almost expanded to include y'all as in the entirety of Oceanic Six. And Kate's going to bring this up that it's two completely different reasons. Yes. But I thought it was an interesting uh, writing choice to have Sawyer sort of like fan that out after he mentions it the first time. So a flaming Dharma van comes storming through the barracks and it's a lot. Uh, everybody's like running to like try and figure this out. Phil like leaves his station to run out and help. And that's how baby Ben is able to slip in and uh, yeah, with this let little, Saeed uh, free. Hoodie on Assassin's Creed style. Yeah. Shades of Charlie, right? Like when Charlie oh, no. would do something naughty, he would have his little Get away from up. the Beechcraft, baby Ben Linus. Um, baby Ben and Linus was a freak before he got taken to the monster or whatever. <laughs> you know, like, Baby Ben uh, set a Dharma van on fire and sent it roaring through the barracks. That's not nothing. We cannot blame everything that Benjamin Linus does purely on him, like, getting, like, touched by the monster. Uh, you know, like, he, like, uh, there's, there's some Heart of Darkness stuff going on with well, this guy it- already. We talked about this, right? That I think it's more so that the trip to the monster more so accelerates what was already growing. It was miracle grow. But also to that point, do you think maybe Ben Linus really like to get back at his dad lit specifically his dad's van on fire too? Of like, dad, you won't be able to get to work tomorrow because I'm going to light your van on fire and shove it into a building. He also has easy access to Roger's keys, I think is the deal. And that comes out next week. Um, So we'll, we'll get into all of that once, uh, once we're there with whatever happened, happened. But yeah, um, Ben shows up to free Saeed. His glasses are broken. Uh, It's from his dad for bringing, for bringing me the sandwich. The second one, or is it the third at this point? I believe it's our third I'm, sandwich. Ben, I'm so full of sandwiches I'm filled right now. With sandwiches. I can I'll barely never fit out of this cell. I'm I'll full never, of sandwiches. I'll never eat again. Um, uh, and this is when he says, my father was a hard man as well. And poor Ben, just like, it's so sad as he says, yeah. I really hate it here. Yeah, he breaks my heart more so when he says, if I let you out, will you take me with you to your people? Like, there's so much 
hopefulness yes. in his voice because yes. like this was his way out it's so interesting to talk about characters seeking exits right that saeed had to find the right exit ben is desperate for an exit ben if ben was in saeed's situation he would have taken every offer sawyer gave him and more whereas saeed's being more particular here and yeah so what i find interesting is is at this moment so saeed i think when he when sawyer approached him was basically set on dying at that moment he said i'm a bad person let me receive my punishment whatever it may be but when he sees ben i think this is when he gets that idea right i think that's the moment where he's like all right i know what i have to do now i i don't think this is necessarily like a big benjamin linus plan i think this was more so a two for the road situation where it's like if i need to do what i need to do i have to sort of just like get through the collateral damage at this yeah. point yeah. Oh, my God. It's so much going on. So, anyway, he's going to let him out. Uh, final flashback of the episode. Out. Getting out. Uh, final flashback of the episode. They're at the airport. Saeed sees everybody from the Oceanic Six. He's like, can we get on the next plane? Like, I know what's coming. Uh, and Alana's like, nope. Uh, so, he's upset. And he's even more upset when Ben gets on the plane. And this shot is great. Like, uh, Saeed cam, Ben cam. Like, you're in both yeah. of their heads. There's a lot of relitigation. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming they fit, refilm some stuff oh, from yeah. the Flash from 2007. Because I believe there's actually, like, some changed dialogue. Like, a couple of lines are not delivered in the exact same way as the first time we saw them. But it's also unique in that everyone else was like friendly with each other on the plane but saeed is saying like completely silent the entire time right he's trying to completely play it cool of oh do you happen to be working with benjamin linus he's not hurley standing up saying whoa 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 don't put him on the plane and you know he only exchanges glances with jack in 316 so right now i think he is really just trying to keep his head down and hope that what he's thinking will happen will not happen i think that's correct uh as he says to alana like are you working for him because he's a liar and a manipulator and he's a monster responsible for nothing short of genocide uh and she asks like why would i work for someone like that he says i did yeah and i think that's actually very similar to what I said before about Ben, right? It's a very big Saeed thing of, well, I did this. I'm assuming someone else would too. And it's again, it's that idea of when you point one finger at someone else for pointing back at you of Saeed realizing, oh, there aren't as morally destitute people out there as me who decide to work for Ben Linus and kill people in cold blood. Huh? Interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that. Uh, it's a surprise to me. Um, so we're really like amping up like why what's going to happen next is going to happen. We're inside headspace, not just about himself, but also his views on Ben. For him, Ben is a genocidal maniac. And that yep. means that Saeed is, uh, uh, he's at, at least, um, if not, if not quite, uh, an enabler, um, he is a participant uh, an accessory yeah to some degree i think is uh is on his mind and so uh it's like the self-flagellation in addition to like i need to write this wrong um is definitely fueling what happens next but i think that there's also just like the pure uh self-pity and the pity towards ben that's gonna that's gonna be um a piece of what comes next um when we get on the island uh ben and Saeed are running they encounter Jin. Uh, Saeed tries to like let Jin let him go. Jin's like, that's fine. Let me just radio back. Um, and when he goes to take that call, Saeed is going to knock Jin out. <laughs> Much like locked it to Saeed back in the day. And then this happens. Whoa. 
Where'd you learn to do that? Come on. We better go. He called the floor. You were right about me. What? I am a killer. ending instantly iconic instantly iconic some moments take decades you know instantly iconic i mean it's it's and especially watching in the moment it was bananas it was wild because we did not know that baby ben linus would obviously survive so we're like what's gonna happen how the hell is this going to work i thought whatever happened happened he just shot and presumably killed benjamin linus as a child how does all this work yeah, it's very it was it was very 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 surprising at that time. Um and uh it still just plays brilliantly now. Uh and I I think like not to uh, yeah, we're just going to beat the dead horse. Like one of the things that like I think you gain from moving the life and death of Jeremy Bentham to after this episode. There's, there's our nuclear option mention. It, it got to do it. And like I think one of the things that you gain it's very valuable is like at this moment in watching it, you know that Benjamin Linus is like going to grow up to not just commit genocide against the Dharma Initiative, but he's going to murder John Locke. Whereas, like, if you go on this arc right now, you go on this storyline of Ben has been shot. Next week, it's going to be like, can we save him? Can we bring him back? Um, they succeed, and at the end of that episode, you get this final like welcome back to the land of the living moment between him and John. You follow that up with the life and death of Jeremy Bentham, and suddenly you are thrust into, like, this is what we bought by saving Ben Linus. Uh, he goes on to live, not only commits genocide, but also kills John Locke. Um, so yeah. I think like that order of operations is really helped by doing the flip. Um, regardless, it's just such a powerful ending, and it does, like, spin us into this period of uncertainty that I think is important for, like, the final um, arc of the season of, like, Maybe we can change the future. Maybe it mm-hmm. isn't set. Um, maybe uh, maybe there is no fate but what we make, as Sarah Connor would say. Uh, and I I think that like the idea of like um, and they don't you know they don't check in with Ben until the very end of next episode uh, of whatever happened happened with the with the Michael Emerson Ben anyway. Um, that I think it's it's a uh, it's a very tense question of what happens. You know, uh, we think that he makes it, but like, uh, what if like we're about to have like a Back to the Future fade from existence moment? Or if this Ben Linus isn't the Ben Linus that we know, right? If the Ben Linus that we thought we knew this entire time was somebody different. What another great uh, you know proponent of the nuclear option is the fact that we sort of see the twisting of the narrative around Locke, and I think it tracks a lot better to have. 316, the revelation that John Locke killed himself, to he's our you, John Locke was murdered, to life and death of Jeremy Bentham, John Locke was murdered by Benjamin Linus. I think that's more of a, of a really interesting through line of just feeding us information than 
he killed himself. No, he didn't. It was Ben murdering him. And then Ben lies to Saeed or doesn't lie. He just obscures the truth. I think there's more flow to it that way. But yeah, huge ending. As we mentioned before, big moment from Saeed in that it is like both selfish, but I think also a little sacrificial as well in what he feels like he's doing. Uh, feeling like if I wipe this terrible person off the face of the earth or at least try to does that help things at the end and i have to be the one to do it because of my special set of skills like it's a big move on saeed's part two uh to see what he does and also like you mentioned it's a bit of like a a mercy kill in a manner of speaking as well right of you've been through these horrible things it's going to turn you into this horrible person if i had the chance to stop the hate from flowing would i do it yes i would yeah um all right well let's rate this episode uh i'm stopping just short of a 4.2 and i'm not entirely sure why i there's i could i could certainly imagine putting this at a 4.2 for whatever reason i have it at a 4.1 instead but it is it is exceptionally high i love this episode i think it is filled with it's very thematically rich it plays uh brilliantly i think with the core themes of the show it's uh it's just it's so fascinating as far as like a character study for for Saeed specifically but also very rewarding in like kind of analyzing Ben as a character i i absolutely love it it contains you know uh my uh, i think my my favorite navy and andrews performance of the whole series is that scene uh it's just it's just remarkable to me um I'm just stopping short of a 4.2, and I couldn't exactly tell you why. To the point that I think I'm just going to boost it to a 4.2, because if I can't come up with the reason why, I may as well just go for it. All right, I'm gonna. I'm not far behind like a flaming Dharma van. I'm gonna give it a four. I think what brings it down from a four point two for me is again the the love tr- the love quadrangle stuff. Uh, it feels a little rehashy, but there is so much strong stuff here, especially if you regard this as sort of like the ultimate. Saeed episode really from a main perspective especially the way that the flashbacks are mapped up very much feels that way and I think it's a really great incredibly depressing finale for Saeed Jarrah the character and so it's the final hurrah for Saeed Jarrah and I think when you watch it through that lens I think it's an immensely enjoyable way to view this episode and I think as I mentioned before it also succeeds in keeping things incredibly tense And I think immediately validating the stakes that were set up in the past couple episodes of keeping, quote unquote, the lie a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a great like setup for uh, for this final story that we're in. I think it's a really it's a really strong setup for um, for for where things could go with him, because this is a point of no return is really what it is. He's making a choice that you you cannot walk this back. Um, exactly well like this is the equivalent of bringing that baby ben linus to go get infested with the smoke monster like there's no turning back right now yeah we can't do it um the audience gave it a 3.7 your score my score audience score nets out as a 3.97 uh third best episode of season five so far we'll see how long that holds for uh i'm i'm happy with it here and i do think it's a stronger episode than what's right in front of it because you left but that's totally fine that's a great episode too um although i guess it was uh, episode one of season five. um <laughs> let's do some feedback mike brennan fitzpatrick asked us if you had the opportunity to go back in time and kill baby ben linus would you do it so the question is are we operating under whatever happened happened because um, then yeah. it's this matter of like, well, no matter what, he'd be alive. Right. So you can't do it. Exactly. So unless unless we're breaking free of loss rules and it's just like objectively, would you go back and shoot this kid? 
Uh, no. No, he, shoot his, he, he brought me sandwiches. I'd shoot his dad. <laughs> Very clever. Yeah, because uh, that guy sucks, Uncle Rico. Take him out. Exactly. Like, And maybe that sends him on a path where, like, missing his father, he turns into a decrepit individual. But you know what? At least I took out the bad influence in his life. I sleep better knowing that than shooting a kid. Um, ben Martell brings up something that you had mentioned uh, a long time ago. Uh, I did. Yeah. Damien writes in and says, uh, Mike Bloom once had questions about the funniest scenes of all time. Just to throw this out there, my fa- my wife's favorite is definitely the Saeed LSD scene. Uh, and on this past rewatch, I was dying at the Hurley, Miles, and Chang van scene in Some Like It Hoth. Yeah, that's pretty funny as well. Yeah, um, I, think I, I, guess, I think I mentioned it actually all the way back in Exodus, because I was talking about how I think, for me, the arsed death scene might be the funniest scene in Lost history. But there are definitely some contenders. If we're doing some four-toed statues on Lost funny scenes as well, that'll definitely be a part of it. Yes. Um, from Bob Hasty, the maestro. Maestro, sorry. Uh, can't say things anymore. Um, Bob Mustard writes in, on the sandwich. Uh, Bob says, two words make me feel panic. Ask Sawyer. Uh, I noticed more in this rewatch how Sawyer doesn't even flinch when Saeed says this under the interrogation. At first, I was thinking, why don't you run? But instead, it made me realize the genius of Sawyer for changing his name to Lafleur, as if he knew this could be a possibility when they decided to wait as long as it takes for Locke. Um, well, so let's let's remember that Sawyer is also not his name too. So, like, no, I think right. Sawyer does is used to going by a different name. Whereas, I would imagine Juliet Burke, it take her a little while before she goes. You know, she can recognize a different name when somebody says it. Yeah, but it's I a great so. point that Sawyer keeps pacing back and forth, and Saeed gives it away a little bit by like nodding in Sawyer's directions. But I also think he's lucky that Saeed was bound. Otherwise, I think he would point directly at Sawyer and call him Sawyer. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, from Dallin, how do you feel about truth serum being introduced into the show? Can the writers just basically do anything now after moving the island in time travel? Because nothing could be crazier than that. Um, yeah, you know, whatever, right? Well, you know? truth serum is a real thing, right? Like, I believe that's... Um there, there is like truth serum that exists out there, like yeah. like mind altering drugs. So yeah, it's not I mean, like yeah, it's it's reductive. This is, this is I not think, like a, yeah, this is not Ant Man and the Wasp, right? Where they're like inventing truth serum. There actually is psychotropic stuff that can exist out there to get the truth out of you. So I don't think it's like mystical breaking the bonds of reality or anything. Yes, uh, I think it's fine. I have no problem with it. Uh, this is from James. This is funny. James says we need to take another look at Kelvin Inman. Kelvin had to be quarantined in the Swan Hatch with Rosinski for possibly who knows how many years. I can only come to one of two conclusions. Either Kelvin was an absolute tolerant saint, having to endure the pile of dog crap that Rosinski was, or Kelvin lied to Desmond and he was the one that put a shotgun in Stuart Rosinski's mouth and put that stain on the ceiling because he just couldn't take it anymore. Which one do you think is true? Well, I mean, let's do some, like, ballistics on that stain, right? Like, Elman would have to get pretty dang low on the ground to put that gun in Radzinski's mouth at that angle, unless he was able to, like, tie him up and do it. Even though I love the idea that Inman just, like, completely goes mental and decides to kill his roommate. I think that, you know, Inman was in the army, right? He has to deal with a lot of belligerent types. I could imagine that he has the steeled resolve to just sit in there day in and day out with stupid Radzinski. Though, who knows, maybe Radzinski calmed down when she was actually in the damn swan and not making models of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the story, I, I I think the Rosinski story is probably as, as told. And we just get like the context here in season five of how miserable of a person he is. Um, 
All right, before we get into MVPs and LVPs, we got to put Baby Ben getting shot on the Benjamin Ooh! Linus beatdown counter. And let me just be bold. Please throw me, throw me a number. Is this not number one? This, I don't think this is number one. I think it's iconic. This, could, this is iconic. Yes, but I would say Jack kicking the crap out of Ben is also incredibly iconic, and it's cathartic. And on it's top of that. and it's more of a beatdown. Yes, this exactly. Is, got shot, not but, shocked. But I think it's it's above. It's the best non Jack Ben. Yeah. Beatdown. So it's number two overall. Yeah, I think so. I I think that number one just is like the perfect storm of everything, right? Character motivation, catharsis, actual physical beatdown aspect. Uh, Baby Ben getting shot is basically just missing a little smidge of that, but I do think it's better than everything below it, including the first time we see Ben, where he gets harpooned through the shoulder, when he gets beat up in the hatch, when he gets beat up in season four as well. This is like the one of the most iconic beatdowns and i think we're gonna get a couple more obviously one coming up in a few episodes but i don't know if it's gonna come close here i think this is the first time in a while that we saw a late season beatdown you know really a contender yeah i think so as well we'll see where the desmond one goes probably pretty high but i don't know that i'll be able to chart it higher than ben getting shot this was just such a shocking moment such an important turn for the character in the series this is without this we don't get all of the other beatdowns you know like this is the thing Um, uh, I will also just say, like, I'm just not putting what happens with him and Roger on this list. I refuse. Nope. Let's let's stay away from that. It's our list. We can do what we want. I'm going to stay away from that. I'm not putting that on there. Uh, you can call it ceremonial last place if you wish. Um, okay. MVP, LVP. I've got three MVPs. You've got two. You've got three LVPs. I have two. I'll just start with our guy, Saeed. Uh, he makes a horrible choice here. There's an argument to give Saeed an LVP point this week. Um, but given just like the uh, extravagant performance, I can do nothing but give him an MVP point. Uh, and I also just like feel um, so connected to uh, the character after this one. Uh, I think that this is just like a really like deeply emotionally affecting Saeed Jirai episode. He deserves a point from me. Yeah, I mean, Navy Andrews, I think, even just deserves the point, yeah. particularly. Uh, I'm going to keep continuing this streak. Let's give an MVP point to Sawyer. Oh, I'm doing the think- same thing. So two to Sawyer. Two to Sawyer. He really tries his best in this episode. I really got to commend him for, like, literally all the ideas that he tries. And let's also, I'm going to give him some extra credit as well for being a pretty damn good fireman, too. Really springing into gear and, like, bossing everyone around to put out the fire. I know it's something he's used to, given uh, when the raft burned down and then when the when the the, the camp set on fire during fire plus water. Uh, so unfortunately, it's something that's been in Sawyer's past. But he really sprung into action in this episode. Very much so. Uh, super impressive stuff from Sawyer this week. So I'll, I'll give Sawyer another MVP point here. He's the new leader in the clubhouse. Nine MVP points for Sawyer. So John Locke, nice shot. He got close. Uh, I think Sawyer may run away with this unless we really see Smokey break with it, uh, which is a possibility. Uh, and Juliet, yeah, too, listen, is still in the hunt. Um, he's, uh, he's sort of been waiting for, uh, you know, I think once we get past next episode is when he really comes into his prime. Yeah. Uh, so I've got one more MVP point. I mentioned it before. It's going to Alana. Yep. Good for getting one over on Saeed, who has often got one over on other people. So, again, m- momentary spotlight on Alana here. Um, LVPs. What do you got? LVP. Uh, I have three. Two are going to Radzinski. I think one, 
because he orders the death of Saeed for pretty ridiculous reasons. And two, because, you know, he ends up incidentally derailing the conversation from Sawyer. I think if they'd asked who Sawyer was and he's like, oh, it's that guy over there with the long hair, they would have been pretty SOL. But because Radzinski, like, just flippantly says, who cares about that? Let's ask him about the, the station. Nobody focuses on it. And as a result, Sawyer gets to sleep another day. So I think for really just ruining the entire interrogation from that perspective, Radzinski gets two points for me. I think that's totally fair. Uh, I'm going to very happily give a point to Horace because he sucks uh he like uh the whole running the meeting of like i hope it's unanimous like just really grinds my gears uh i'm glad to have an opportunity to to take a shot at horse good speed right now yeah i'm gonna give um my other point to amy i mentioned it before welcome to your maternity leave where you're ordering people's deaths Really not a good look on you, whether or not you turn out to be Amelia. It's not good for you right now, sweetheart. Roger Linus, it is a self-evident LVP point, I think. Yeah, and I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna end up with quite a few more over the course of the season. We are not done yet with Roger Linus in season five, unfortunately. He is awful. He's terrible. Um, yeah, I don't. Did I mention I gave an MVP point to Ben? I don't know that I. Oh no, did. you didn't. Yeah, like, yeah the opposite that. of Roger getting an MVP point. Yeah, so sorry. I'm giving an MVP point to Ben for the for the child. Uh, it went through so much. Uh, went mm-hmm. through so much, and then also in the spirit of like uh, being very good at being very bad. Uh, this is just a kid. He like sets the van on fire and he breaks yeah. uh, uh, Saeed out of jail. Good stuff. He, he's able to outsmart basically like a whole gaggle of security people, even though he calls Phil a dimwit. Sawyer does, you know, they're still capable adults and he's able to get through them all. Yeah. Um, all right. Coming up next, whatever happened, happened. Uh, featuring my favorite Evangeline Lilly moment of the series, I believe. Uh, and a, a scene that always makes me cry. I cannot watch it and not cry. It's just not happening for me anymore. So bring the tissues, everybody. Yeah, this is going to be a big one. I mean, I think this is also going to kind of be like, again, the because the Kate-centric episode in season six is going to be Flash Sideways-centric, like this is maybe a bit of a, not a farewell to Kate as much as it is to Saeed, but almost like a look back at the character. And I think to your point, maybe pushing against what the show was trying to provide, we come to our own conclusion about how we end with Kate as a character. So this is another one that is sort of like a wild card for me. Cassidy is going to be back at the pic- in the picture for the first time in a long time. So it'll be interesting. You know, Kate episodes are very up in the air when it comes to Lost. So I'm intrigued to see where this one lands. Me as well. Uh, I know where I have it. I'm curious to see where the, where the hatchlings have it, where you have it, Mike. We'll get into it next week. The podcast will drop July 23rd in the Down the Hatch feed. It'll come early for the patrons of Post Show Recaps on July 21st, just a couple of days early. Um, uh, it's, it's as Benjamin Linus would say, why aren't you signing up for the Patreon? <laughs> Patreon.com slash Post Show Recaps in that famous scene where he goes to Saeed Jaran, uh, tries to get him to re-sign for the Patreon. You want to do it. Consider it. Think about it. You don't want to cross Benjamin Linus. So patreon.com slash post show recaps for your consideration. Get your feedback in down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com. If you didn't get all of your thoughts in about He's Are You, we can deal with that next week. We will be back on the regular recording schedule. Um, so uh, definitely send that feedback in down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com 
com. Mike, I'll do both of us the favor and just say, like, we've got a lot going on. So many different podcasts. There's, <laughs> uh, Mike's doing Big Brother stuff, I'm sure. There's mm-hmm. Survivor SA. There's the Bloom Files here on Post Show Recaps. Um, there's, uh, at this point, uh, the Loki finale has happened. So there's oh, Loki wow. coverage on Post Show Recaps finale coverage. I, I bet it was a humdinger would be my, uh, <laughs> would be my guess about Spe- how that finale went Speaking of whether down. people can change and who they really are yeah i'm sure loki i'm sure whether it was great or not great that there was a lot to talk about so keep an ear (laughs) out for that podcast oh man josh could you believe when that thing happened (laughs) yeah i can't believe that thing although we should say at this point we're past the spoiler moratorium uh and i guess like if you haven't been watching loki and you plan to here's a little bit of a spoiler for episode five of loki they have a a a smoke monster and they've got a hatch like they really were just pandering to us that's hilarious um if you haven't listened to mike on the everything is super podcast last week he and kevin talked about loki on everything is super so go check that out um worst day ever the 24 podcast it continues just all the things they're continuing and it's great uh so thank you for your support we appreciate it we hope that you're enjoying our season five coverage here on down the hatch we'll be back next week with whatever happened happened until then everybody take care bye bye Four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty, forty-four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty, forty-four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty, forty-four, eight.